Good morning, Mount Hope. My name is Lucas Oliveira. Uh, I'm an intern from North Point Bible College. Um, um, I've, I'm studying there to become a pastor, and it's been an honor to serve you as a church throughout this past year. Um, this morning's reading is coming from Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 1 through 7. Remember your creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come, and the years approach when you say, I find no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark, and the clouds return after the rain, when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men stoop, when the grinder sees because they are few, and those looking through the windows grow dim, when the doors to the street are closed, and the sound of grinding fades. When men rise up at the sound of birds, but all their songs grow faint. When men are afraid of heights and of dangers in the streets. When the almond tree blossoms and the grasshopper drags himself along. And desire no longer is stirred. Then man goes to his eternal home and mourners go about the street. Remember him before the silver cord is severed or the golden bowl is broken, before the pitcher is shattered at the spring, or the wheel broken at the well, and the dust returns to the ground it came from, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Amen. Thank you, Lucas. We're grateful for our North Point interns. They have just got a couple more Sundays with us in this semester. It's been great having them with us this year. <clears throat> this passage is talking about getting older if you haven't figured it out yet. And with that being part of the topic of this morning, there were all kinds of ways I thought about starting the message. I've got a couple stories I thought at least I'd start with and share with you. A uh, story of this one man who uh, went to the doctor, went to his regular doctor appointment, and he said, you know, something's showing up on the EKG, wants you to go check in with your cardiologist, see if everything's all right, and this man went to the cardiologist, and uh, the doctor said, uh, absolutely, there's, there's something wrong here, in fact, there's a, there's a pretty big problem here that we can't fix with surgery, but you have to, you have to make some lifestyle changes in your life. Otherwise, it's really uh, going to affect you. And I'm afraid if you don't make some lifestyle changes that you may not have long to live the way the, that the tests show and the way that your heart looks. And he said, you've got you've to make some changes if you really want your life to go on much longer. And, and he thought the man was getting it, but he wasn't sure. So he said, do you mind if I <clears throat> spend some time talking to your wife so that you know, she understands what's going on too? And he said, no, sure, no problem. <clears throat> so the man left and the wife comes in. And he's talking to the wife. He said, look, I'm not sure he gets it or not, but here's the reality. If he doesn't start making some changes, he may not live a whole lot longer. And you, as his wife, have a key component in this. Look, this guy needs to change the way he's eating. You need to start cooking some nutritious meals for him. 
You need to watch out for him. You need to take care of him. You need to make sure there's peace in the home. You've got to help him be relaxed and give him massages. And, and you've just got to create an atmosphere in the home where he can be relaxed. Otherwise, he may not have much longer to live. You've got to, you've got to do this for his, for his health, and you've got to watch out for him. He can't lift anything heavy. Um, he can't do much work around the house. And, uh, and that's just the reality. Do you understand what I'm saying? And she said, uh, yeah, yes, doctor, I, I understand what you're saying. I, I get it. I understand. We'll go home. We'll talk about it. And so they leave in the doctor's office, walking back to the car, and the man can't help himself. So well, what did he say? She said, he said, you're going to die. <laughs> <laughs> Even when you see that one coming, I still think it's funny. <laughs> one more. Uh, this group that was... Uh, having a class reunion. They were 30 years old, having their class reunion. They were trying to decide where to go to dinner, and one person said, hey, I heard of this new restaurant called The Glowing Embers. Let's go to The Glowing Embers. Heard it's a new restaurant. It's fun. It's a great time. We'll go check it out together. They said, great, we'll go to The Glowing Embers. They went to The Glowing Embers, had a great time. 15 years later, they get together once again for another class reunion. They're 45 years old. So where should we go to dinner? Person said, hey, let's go back to the glowing embers. They got great food. They got a great wine list. They got, they got, it's a quality food. We'll go there. We'll have a good time. They went back to the glowing embers. They had a great time. 15 years later, they're 60 years old. So where should we go to eat? One person said, you know, let's go to the glowing embers. He said, it's a peaceful place. Not a lot of young people go there. It's relaxing. We can have a nice meal. I said, great, we'll go there. Went to the restaurant. 15 years later, they're 75 years old. Where are we going to go for our reunion? One person said, you know, the glowing embers is handicap accessible. (laughs) They got an elevator. We should go there. And they went there and had a great time. 15 years later, they're 90 years old. There's a few of them left. So where should we go to eat? One person said, let's go to the glowing embers. We've never been there before. Getting old can be tough. Now, as I say that, I want to be very clear on something. It is my goal to be an old person. Unless Jesus come and takes me home or something, my goal is to become an old person one day. My goal is to live a long life on this earth. That's what I want to happen. But it's also, and those of you and those of us that are getting to places where it gets a little more difficult, you recognize that getting older, even though we all desire it, we, it, uh, it can be difficult at times. And we're coming to a passage in Ecclesiastes where Solomon is getting older. I think he wrote this book near the end of his life. You know, I think he wrote this book after he's looking back. It's near the sunset. It's near the twilight years. The sun's getting low on the horizon. He realizes he's probably got a lot more years behind him than he has in front of him. And he writes Ecclesiastes, looking back on his years of living to give wisdom to the people around him. God inspires him to write this book and gives it to us so we would have wisdom and understanding on how to live. I don't know exactly when or where Solomon actually wrote this book, but my picture when we come to this part of the book, we're right at the end, we're right at the last couple chapters. My picture is kind of like this. I don't know if you've ever been around an older person a lot, but a lot of times when we are, we want to know 
what's the secret? Uh, what's the, what, or, or what's the secret? What, what, what's, what's gotten you to this place in life? And I picture Solomon like at one of his birthday parties later in life. You know, I don't know if it's one of those significant ones, you know, where it's one of those milestone ones, but I just have a like, picture in my head where his friends or his family are gathered. He's sitting in the seat of honor. Maybe he has a funny hat on his head. I don't know, but they're, they're all gathered around. Everyone's laughing. No one's paying attention to him because that's how birthday parties go. You go and no one pays attention to the person they're there for, but that's a whole other issue. But anyway, we're at the party, and they're sitting around the table, and suddenly someone says, Solomon, what's the secret? What's the secret to, to growing old? What's the secret? What, what is the secret? And I don't know what his response is, but I imagine with this being the wisest man that ever lived, the writer of Proverbs, that probably he comes up with some witty response, you know, and everyone laughs, something about clean living or, 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 or you know, eating right, and everyone just kind of laughs it off. But then someone else pipes up. It says, Solomon, you know, with all your years of life and wisdom, what would you tell someone who's just starting out? You know, Solomon, you're the wisest man who's ever lived. You're a king of a nation. You're rich. You made treaties with all kinds of nations. You reign over the nation of Israel. You know, you have this wonderful uh, a kingdom that you're reigning over. What advice would you give to someone who's just getting started? And at that moment, I picture the room going near silent because everybody wants to know the answer to this question. Everyone wants to know. And so everyone stops, the utensils are put down, and all eyes are on Solomon. And what he says in this moment, he gives two pieces of wisdom and advice. One of them, Pastor Brian's going to share next week as, as the conclusion of this series. But the first one I want us to look at this week. He says this, looking back on his life and looking back on everything that has happened, the piece of advice that he would give is this. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. Before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. And even as Solomon might say that, I can hear and perhaps even today as you hear that, if you're a young person starting out in life, you just kind of lose a little bit of motivation. You're like, that's it? You know, you're wealthy, you're powerful, you're wise. Give us a, you're going to talk about God? And religion, it's just like an old person. I, I picture some young people feeling that way. Of course you're going to say, remember your creator. You're getting close to meeting him, Solomon. And I, I mean, sometimes people, oh, I was looking for something. I, I had my pen out. I was ready to write it down. And it's God and religion. Some people say, oh, I've got time to think about that. And I think sometimes... People starting out in life, younger in life with much of their life before them think, I've got plenty of time to think about that. I'm young. Got a lot of years ahead of me. Yeah, when I get to Solomon's age, I'll think about it then. But I believe Solomon's perspective from late in life is not about remembering God when you get older, but he's saying, look, if I could do it all over again, 
If I could talk to young Solomon, if I could talk to him, if I could do it all over again, what I would say is remember your creator while you're young. And you can put it off and you can think God and religion are for old people and you can think, hey, I'm going to do it when I'm later in life. I've got plenty of time. And you can live like that and you'd be a fool is what Solomon is saying. He's saying, my wisdom, my advice, if you want to know it, my wisdom is for you to remember your creator while you're still young. And the question that's begged is why? Why? What's so important about it? I've got a whole life ahead of me. I've got all kinds of time. I've got other things I want to do. Can't I wait until a little bit later to punch my ticket to heaven? Why should I remember my creator in the days of my youth? I just want to quickly this morning, three ideas, three, three thoughts on why it's important to remember your creator in the days of your youth. And the first thought, the first idea is this. The reason Solomon tells us to remember God while we're still young, remember our creator in the days of our youth, is because it makes the best investment with the best of your days. Remembering God while you're still young makes the best investment with the best of your days. See, we think all days are created equal. And we live as if all days are created equal, but they're not. I think it was Goethe who said, nothing is worth more than this day. And there's truth to that statement. In fact, the Bible agrees with that statement in many places. The Bible says, hey, don't don't dwell on yesterday and don't overfocus on tomorrow. Today is the day God has given you. Today is the day of salvation. You have new mercies from God today. There's something very biblical that there is nothing more valuable than this day. There's nothing more valuable than today. And that's true, but there's another part of that that's also true, and that's this. Today is a little less valuable than yesterday. Today is a little less valuable than yesterday. See, nothing is more valuable than today, but today is a little less valuable than yesterday because if you had started yesterday, the things you put off till, till today to start, you would have been further along down the road. And so you have a little less time, you have a little less energy, you have a little less resources to do that thing which you endeavor to do. So yes, nothing is worth more than today, but all days are not created equal. And that's all Solomon's saying. Solomon's saying, look, it's true. You can start to follow God when you're young and when you're older, but you will miss. You will miss some of the greatest blessings if you wait until you're older. Because although all days are created equal, they are not of equal value and equal opportunity. And that's all he's saying in this passage. Because when he talks about this, this poem that he gives, and it's a beautiful metaphor and analogy. In fact, I was almost afraid to kind of preach a sermon on this because I didn't want to ruin this, this beautiful poem and an analogy, a metaphor that is given to us. But the, this metaphor is about a house, but it's not talking about a house. It's talking about our bodies as a house. And so it says this as, it, as the passage goes on. Let me show you. It says, Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds return after the rain. Well, what does that mean, the clouds return after the rain? Well, normally after a rainstorm, you got clearing, you got some blue skies for a while, the sun is out. All Solomon is saying is, look, it gets to a place in your life where you get a little older 
where after it rains, another storm starts looking like it's on the horizon. And you just don't get as much break in between the storms. One leaves, another one comes. And so you get older, and it's, it, the clouds just don't seem to clear as quickly as they used to. And he says, when the keepers of the house tremble, it's your hands, keepers of your house, watch over your house, bathe you, cleanse you, take care of you. They're the keepers of your house. But when you get older and they start to tremble, and they're not quite as steady as they were, and they're not quite as firm as they once were, and the strong men stoop, talking about the strong muscles in your legs, and, and, and you can't walk as upright as you once did, and not as sure of step as you once were. When the grinders cease because they are few, you're losing your teeth. They didn't have dentures, and they weren't replacing their teeth, so the teeth are starting to go, and you're missing it, and, and, and you can't even eat like you did because the grinders are few. And those looking through the windows grow dim. Your eyesight is not what it used to be. It's dimmer. You can't see what you used to see. When men are afraid of heights and dangers of the streets, afraid of falling, afraid of you know, just going outside. You used to not be afraid of going out into the street, but who knows what's going to happen. When you go out in the street, you get older, you get weaker, you don't have as much confidence, so you're afraid of fear sets in. When the almond tree blossoms, the almond tree, when it blossoms, is white. So when the hair grows gray, when the color's gone, and this is my favorite metaphor, and the grasshopper drags himself along. It's just not the gait that it used to be. Grasshoppers spring. They don't drag. If you see a grasshopper dragging, you will not see that grasshopper much longer. They're not meant to drag. But when the grasshopper drags, the gait is not what it used to be. Walking is not as easy as it used to be. There we would say there's not the spring in the step. And along with that, desire is no longer stirred. The literal translation is there is the caperberry no longer has effect. Caperberry was they considered a bit of an aphrodisiac in that culture. And they said when it no longer has effect and desire is no longer stirred. Then man goes to his eternal home and mourners go to the streets. Remember him before the silver cord is severed on the golden bowls broken, before the pitcher is shattered at the spring or the wheel broken at the well and the dust returns to the ground from God who gave it and the spirit returns. Uh, from, it came from and the spirit returns from God who gave it. He says, look, your body's going to break down. You can think that all days are created equal, and in some sense they are, but they're not all of equal value. Yes, you have 24 hours in your day when you are 70 and when you are 7, but they are a different 24 hours. Because you can't do things you used to be able to do, and you have to do things that you didn't used to have to do. You know what I mean? You, you look back and you say, I used to be able to do that. And you try and do it. And maybe you can, but it takes you twice as long. Or it's three times as hard. Or there are some things as you get older, you got to start doing that you didn't do when you were younger. You got more doctor's appointments on your schedule than dates with your spouse. There are things that just come into play. And Solomon's saying, look, it just happens. It's inevitable. 
And the crazy thing is we live in a society that calls the inevitable the unthinkable. Right? I mean, you watch a life insurance policy commercial, and what do they say? They say, if the unthinkable happens. And what's the unthinkable? Death. Why is that unthinkable? It's not unthinkable. It's inevitable. We're all going to die. So let's think about it. And Solomon's saying, look, this is what's happening. Your body's breaking down. It's going to happen. And those days, the days of trouble, it's going to be harder to serve the Lord than today in your days of your youth. Things change. I uh, asked Wendy for permission to share this, and she said it would be okay. So this week, she's having a, a surgery on her foot. And, you know, many of you may have gone through many surgeries, and we haven't had a lot of surgeries in our house. We're getting to that age, I guess, where surgeries come into play a little bit more. And, and so she has a surgery on her foot, which is, you know, it's fairly routine, but it's going to kind of knock her out of commission for a while. And, and what was amazing to us is the amount of time a surgery takes up. Not the amount of time to actually do the operation. I mean, that may be a couple hours. Maybe it's a, few, maybe it's a day for some surgeries. Maybe, you know, maybe it's lengthy. That's not what's, what, um, what's amazing is all the work that's got to be done before. The meeting with your doctor, the meeting with a specialist, the meeting with a surgeon, the blood work that's got to be done, your PPO, your HMO, you know, all these things, the appointments that have to be done, all these things that have to be in place before the appointments and the hours and hours and hours, that's the day of the surgery, and then you have the recovery time. And maybe it's a week or multiple weeks or a month or a couple months. And so there's a, there's a block of time there that all things being equal, when you're younger, you don't have to worry about. When you're younger, all Solomon is saying is, look, it's just, you just don't have to deal with this stuff when you're younger. And you will when you're older. And so remember God in your youth before the days of trouble come, before your body starts to work against you, before it's more difficult to live and to work for God. Remember God in the days of your youth. All days are equal in length, but not equal in potential value and potential contribution. We live in a day and age that says, spend your best days on yourself. And all Solomon is saying is, look, the wisest thing I can tell you is to remember God in the, ways of, in the days of your youth. Because those are your best days, the days when you, and all I'm saying is, they're the days you have the most potential, the most ability, the most vigor, desire, energy, ability to do something. And so why not give your best to God? instead of giving him the rest and what's left over at the end. That's what Solomon's saying. But we live in a society that says, no, your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, 50s are starting to sound really young to me, and 60s are starting to sound really young, but he's saying, look, we live in a society that says those days, those 20s, those are your days, and don't let anything get in the way of you those days. You get pregnant, have an abortion so you don't have to have kids getting in the way of those days. If your marriage isn't happy, then get a divorce. That's not getting in the way of your happiness. You make those days about you. What Solomon is saying is remember your creator in the days of your youth. Give your best days to the best possible purpose. Live your days for God. 
Remember him the days of your youth. Give your best days to the best purpose. The second reason that's important to remember your creator in the days of your youth is this. When you are young, you have the ability, and this is the only way I can put it, the, uh, to gain compound interest for the kingdom. That's the best illustration I come up with. The younger you start, the greater opportunity you have for kingdom-based compound interest for God. Because the more people you impact while you're younger, the more opportunity they have to impact other people for their whole life. And there's this sense of compounding interest for the kingdom that you lose out on if you choose to start following God later in life. But when you're the younger you are, the more people you have the opportunity to impact at a younger age, and they have the opportunity to impact more people for Christ. So you know how compound interest works, right? Dave Ramsey in Financial Peace University gives this illustration that I think is helpful. I know it's small, so let me just read a little. It's, it contrasts Ben and Arthur. Ben's on the left, and Ben starts investing $2,000 at the age of 19, and he invests $2,000 every year until the age of 26, This is compounding at 12% interest. I know we all wish we were getting 12% interest someplace. Just go with the illustration for now. Um, Arthur doesn't do that. From 19 to 26, he doesn't invest $2,000 a year. He starts investing $2,000 a year at age 27 and invests it every year all the way up until age 65. But he lost those six years of compounding interest But he didn't really use six years of compounding interest. He lost 40 years of that interest compounding. And so at the end of it, at the age of 65, Ben has $2,288,996, and Arthur has $1,532,166, somewhat near three-quarters of a million-dollar difference, even though Arthur started investing a lot, even though Arthur invested a lot more later. Compound interest. Now, I'm not trying to depress those of you that haven't started a retirement fund or anything like that yet. But um, if, if nothing else, maybe you go leave here, start saving money. But the point is that the earlier you start investing, the greater the opportunity for the interest to compound. I think it works the same in the kingdom. The earlier you start investing in people for the kingdom's sake, the greater the impact you can have for the kingdom. The earlier you start talking to people and sowing seeds of the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ in people, the greater impact it has over the course of your life. If you're a young person, you're in high school, you're in college, you're starting to set your sails and chart your course in the decisions you make now about what you're going to do, who you're going to serve, and who you're going to love are things that will impact the course of your entire life, and they can have an incredible impact for the kingdom of God. And when we say, no, I'm going to put it off till I'm older, I'm going to wait, I'm not going to do, you know, that's, uh, you know, God and religion, that's an old man's game, and I'll get to it when I get older. What we lose out on is the incredible compounding impact that we can make for the kingdom. And I think many people in here this morning who may have come to light Christ older in life, you know, would like Solomon say, look, if I could go back, what I'd tell you is start earlier. I wish I had made an impact for God earlier in my life. I wish I hadn't waited. I wish I had remembered my creator in the days of my youth. 
final thing is this. Remember your creator in the days of your youth because it makes the best investment with your best days because it gives you the chance for kingdom compounding interest. But also finally, remember the creator while you are young to avoid regrets. This passage has a real no regrets flavor to it. Remembering the creator while you're young keeps you from being old and having regrets of not having lived a life for God. And if you wait until you get older to start thinking about God, you may have to live with regretting that you didn't give your best to God when you could. If you spend your entire life climbing the ladder of success, you might find that at the end of your life you reach that top rung and you realize your ladder's been leaning against the wrong house. that you've been climbing a ladder of success for yourself and you get to the end and you get everything you ever wanted and you get everything you ever hoped for, but it isn't and it doesn't do for you what you thought it would. And in that moment, you may have a chance to climb down the ladder, lean it up against God's house, and you may have a chance to start climbing back up to make an impact for God, but you don't have the time that you used to have. And you can't quite accomplish an impact, make the impact that you could have had you started when you were young. And all Solomon is saying is, look, my advice is remember God while you're still young. Remember your creator while you're young. Because then you can live your life with no regrets. I was talking to... Wendy yesterday about this part of the sermon, and she said, you know, it reminds me of our family reunion this summer. And I thought, you know, it really does. We had a, <clears throat> we went this past July out to a, a family reunion with Wendy's side of the family, Wendy's mom's side of the family. And this is a picture of, uh, from that reunion of uh, Wendy's mom is sitting down on the far, your far right. And then um, uh, that's uh, Aunt Wanda and Evie sitting beside them. But in the back row, Uncle Doyle, Wendy's Uncle Doyle's on the far left, and then Uncle Wes in the middle, and my father-in-law, Daryl, on the right, who many of you have met. And at that reunion, see, Dar- see, Doyle, he served in ministry most of his life. He pastored churches throughout New Mexico and throughout the Southwest, and, and he, he gave his life to the ministry of pastoring for God. And Uncle Wes, who's in the middle, Wes had a construction company, Wesco Construction, and uh, he built houses and residential and developments all through New Mexico, southern New Mexico. And he was very successful. He had a great construction company. He had a ranch that Wendy used to go down and ride horses on and, and, and ride four-wheelers all around. And, 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 you know, had a great time, has great memories of times at Uncle Wes's ranch. But when Uncle Wes, at some point in his life, uh, got to a point where God told him, I want you to sell the construction company. I want you to get out of the construction company business. I want you to sell it. I want you to get rid of the ranch. I want you to get rid of all this stuff, and I want you to move, and I want you to build churches in Mexico for me. And so he did that, sold off the ranch, sold off the business, got rid of it, moved to El Paso, Texas, and started building churches in Juarez and other parts of Mexico, and for the rest of his life, that's what he did. He built churches in Mexico. And Daryl, my father-in-law, was a banker all his life. 
uh, vice president of a savings and loan and, and there in Lubbock, Texas. And, and he would do that all his life. But all the while, he was also the treasurer of his, of his Assemblies of God church there. And he was a deacon of his church all those years. And he taught Sunday school all those years. And he was invested in the ministry of his church. And what I remember about that weekend was talking with these guys, you know, talking with them about ministry. And I love those opportunities just to get the opportunity to talk with them about ministry. And from their perspective, they just sat there and listened with what I, what I can describe as nothing other than a quiet confidence in God. Knowing that they'd seen God move throughout their life and come through time and time again. So when I'm talking about our building project here at Mount Hope and all the pitfalls and difficulties and challenges and how is it going to get done and we were right you know in the midst of that last July and and all the challenges that were going on there was this quiet confidence an unshakable faith that God is in control that God's got this that we've been down this road before and God always has seen us through and this quiet confidence that was there. And I thought about that weekend, and I thought about there is one thing I never heard that weekend. As I listened to them all talk about either ministering in church or working outside the church or raising their kids in the church, the one thing I never heard was a single regret. Not one regret of the years spent giving their life and working and living for the Lord. Not one regret about selling the construction company and spending years, you know, barely scraping by to build churches in Mexico, dealing with corrupt Mexican officials and, and, and drug lords and all kinds of other junk and having his life threatened. Not one regret about leaving the safety of, of his ranch and everything else. Not one regret about the years spent in church and giving of time and money and resources and raising their kids in the world. Not one regret. I believe what Solomon is saying is remember the creator in the days of your youth so that you, when you get older, don't have any regrets about the life that you've lived. That you don't get older and say, I wish I would have. See, the, the reality is this. Sometimes we've gotten the gospel wrong. I'm afraid that sometimes in evangelical circles, we've gotten the gospel wrong. We think the gospel is about getting to heaven when you die. And we think that's what it's all about. And I'm afraid we've taught people, and sometimes we've raised up a generation of kids that think the gospel is about getting to heaven when you die. But I think, and Dallas Willard said this, I think he's right. He said the gospel is about getting to heaven before you die. See, the gospel is not about getting to heaven and being in God's presence when you die. It's about being able to live a life under God's direction and presence and with his voice and with his guidance while you yet live on this earth. And what Solomon is saying is when you don't remember God while you are young, you miss that opportunity. You will miss the opportunity for God's direction and guidance and protection and love, and you'll miss that blessing. And so Solomon says, if I can tell you anything... It's remember God while you're still young. Remember your creator while you're still young. Because the message of the gospel is you can have God's presence and assurance and forgiveness and direction while you're still living. 
See, some people will say, well, you know, if I believe in Jesus and it turns out in the end not to be true, what have I lost? And I say, that's baloney. Paul says, if the resurrection's not true, we're wasting our time. And if it's just this life under the sun and there's no life outside of this earth, then we're wasting our time. But with Jesus being true and the life, death, and resurrection being true and his words being true, it's not about getting to heaven after you die. It's about living in God's presence and continuing that life after you pass through that door of death. See, eternal life does not begin with death. Eternal life begins, eternal life with God begins the moment you begin to follow him. And it continues through death and for eternity. So what Solomon says is, remember God in the days of your youth to avoid future regrets. Let me close with this. We talk about remembering. What does remember mean? Very quickly, what does it mean to remember? Sometimes we think remember means recall. And we just think, oh, it means recall. But it can't mean just that. Because he says, remember God in the days of your youth. So young people don't need to really recall stuff. That's not what he's talking about. It's not just recollection. It's not just like flipping through a photo album. That's not what the Bible means when it says remember. When the Bible talks about remember, it always means recall, which demands a response. Recall, recollection, and response equals remembering. See, recollection without response is sentimentality. Recollection without response is looking through the photo album and saying, oh, remember Uncle Mike, remember, and just sentimentality. But the Bible, when it talks about remembering, is recollection and response. It's doing something about it. I was uh, up in Portsmouth yesterday. I happened to be walking through uh, the, the downtown in Portsmouth yesterday, and I saw this monument. I thought the three words were interesting. It's a monument put up uh, by the Navy to remember the, uh, the naval base there at Portsmouth and the men and women who have died, and submariners mostly. Um, for the, that's what the Portsmouth Naval Base focuses on. And I thought these three words were interesting, honor, protect, and then that word remember. Remember. I thought, what does it mean to remember? You know, when we talk about remembering someone, especially someone, uh, people who have died in war, it's not just a sentimental recollection. We are talking about remember the sacrifice. Remember what they gave. Remember men and women who gave the highest price so you can live the life that you live. Don't just recall them, but live your life worthy of the sacrifice that was given for your freedom that you enjoy. Not just don't forget, but live a life in light of that sacrifice. Bible also always means response when it talks about remember. Deuteronomy 8.2 says, Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years. In other words, respond. Not just recall it to your memory, but live a life of response to it. Genesis 40.14, when Joseph is in prison and he's talking to the cupbearer who's about to get out of prison, he says, But when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. Don't just recall. Don't just think about me. Don't just have fond memories of me. Let your remembrance cause you to do something about my situation. 
Leviticus 26, but for their sake, I will remember the covenant. As Paul's, uh, God saying, I will do something because I remember the covenant I made for them. The thief on the cross, Luke chapter 23, dying beside Jesus on the cross. He says, then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. Not just, hey, Jesus, don't forget my name. Hey, Jesus, you know, think about me. Jesus, do something about my eternity. Remember me. Final one, Paul, when he's writing to the church in Galatia, He's talking about his ministry to the, to the non-Jewish people. And he said all they asked, all the Jewish people asked, was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. What does Paul mean by that? Oh, yeah, there are poor people. I remember that. That's not what it is. Remember, give to them. Support them. Help them in their time of need. Let your remembrance cause response. And remembrance is never simply recollection. It is a response to what is being remembered. And so Solomon says, remember your creator in the days of your youth. And he doesn't simply mean just recollect the fact that you have been created and that you have a creator. He is saying, look, live your life in response to what God has done. He has created you. He sustains you. He's your judge. Live your life in response of that. Ultimately, what he's saying is when it comes to following God, the younger the better. When it comes to giving your life to Christ, the younger the better. The earlier, the sooner, the better. A couple weeks from now, we're going to do some baptisms. And on Easter Sunday, we have a couple baptisms. And then the week after Easter Sunday, we have some baptisms in both our services. And we're going to be baptizing, I think, five or six children. And when we baptize those children, I pray that we do not sit in this congregation with a sentimentality that says, isn't that nice? These kids are being baptized. Because I don't think that's the approach God says. I think this is an incredible moment because God says, the younger, the better. And we better celebrate and thank God every time a child makes a commitment to follow Christ with his life. And don't you for a moment get the thought cross your mind, oh, they'll probably walk away. Oh, they won't live it out. Oh, they won't follow. They don't know what they're doing. Don't you let that thought even come into your mind, but pray that they would in faith follow Christ and pursue him for the rest of their life because the Bible says the younger the better. Jesus talks about children coming. He says, don't turn them away. And so maybe you're sitting here and you would say, yeah, Pastor Rick, that's great, but I'm not the younger. I feel like I'm a little later on in life. Or the younger, the better. The best time to begin to follow God is when you're young. The second best time is today. Second best time to give your life to God is today. So you don't waste another moment and miss another opportunity to not only experience the power and the love of God, but to make an impact for his kingdom. And if you are in this room today and you're in that part of your life where you're not dealing with the troubles that Solomon talks about, you're not thinking about doctor's appointments and surgeries and your body breaking down, you look at your life and you say the road ahead of me is much longer than the road behind me, then you have an opportunity, every decision you make right now, 
Who are you going to serve? You're going to serve God or yourself? Who are you going to love? Who are you going to make that lifelong marriage commitment to if God's calling you to get married? What you're going to do with your time, with your talents, with your money, how you're going to handle your finances, where you're going to live, all of those decisions you're making right now as you chart your course, when you get down that road even further, will have an impact. Solomon's saying, look, in those decisions, when you decide who you're going to serve, who you're going to love, and what you're going to do, remember your Creator in the days of your youth so that you can invest your best days for the best purposes, so that you can compound interest for the kingdom, and so that you can end your life with no regrets, having given it all to God. We'll move into our communion time with this passage. For I have received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And that remembrance that Jesus calls you to is not a flip through the photo album, sentimental type of recollection of Jesus hanging on the cross. That remembrance is now go and live your life in response to what I have done for you. Now, as I have loved you, go and love others. As I have served you, go and serve others. For us to come around this table in some sentimental way that we think we're doing God a favor and then walk out of here and live our life any way we not want to is not a remembrance of Christ. It's a mockery of Christ. When Christ says to do this in remembrance of me, he doesn't mean just taking a little piece of bread and a cup of juice. He means live your life in light of what I've done for you. Live your life. Make your every decision a God-glorifying and God-honoring decision in light of what I've done for you. Live your life in light of the love that I have shown through the sacrifice on the cross. And I'm going to pray now. I'm going to ask those who are going to help me to serve to come and help me. But I want to pray and ask that God would help us to remember him well today. Would you pray with me?